it's Dimity here in the Train Like a Mother Club. We've got uh, the the Winter Weather Warriors, right? Uh, Coach Jen, and actually it says Coach Jen to uh, the real Jen's in the oh. pink hat, and the Amber, <laughs> and then Elizabeth is in the black headphones. What's what's the weather like in Chicago, you guys? Snow day. Snow day. Is it a, is it a full snow day? No no school today. No school. No. And I heard that polar vortex is a word that's being thrown around a lot out there. Is that true? It's coming. It's coming. It's, I, it's coming. The high, uh, the high on Wednesday, is negative fourteen. Oh my gosh! Hi. Wow! Hi! 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 <laughs> negative fourteen. Wow! Wow! Okay. I don't know. Well, my kids are living living La Vida Loca. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Lots of Netflix. Probably some what popcorn, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Skittles our, at ten a.m. What's that? Skittles at 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with that, right? Especially with the little ones, right, Liz? Yeah, yeah. Spread it around, spread it around. Well, so um, so we are here to, um, let's see, I wanted to show my screen, but it doesn't look like it's showing what I want you guys to see, which is this. Um, so we are here to talk about racing um, by heart rate. And it's a little premature because um, you guys are only on week four. Um, of coaching this awesome group of, of mother runners, but we have some women who have come in um, kind of and switched their uh, path a little bit midway. So we want to make sure that they feel ready to race. We've got, um, gosh, we got a Kelly who's racing this um, weekend at the Surf City Marathon in Huntington Beach. Um, we've got Ashley headed to the Donna Marathon in Jacksonville, Florida um, next week. And then Echo is racing a week after that at the Lost Dutchman's Marathon in Gold Canyon. And then um, with the half marathoners, we've got some towards the end of February. Laura Kelly is doing the Austin half. Um, Disney Fairy Tales coming up for Amanda. So we've got probably five or six racers in February. And then, of course, um, as the as the rest of the country warms up, <laughs> racing season kicks off, the spring racing season for the rest of us. So, um so what we wanted to do was just take a minute. You guys were really helpful and created this um, document that basically talks about race prep and strategy um, as far as what you want to do two weeks outside of a race, one week outside of a race, um, how to pace yourself during the race. Um, and then we have some other questions and stuff that we want to hit on as well that are not in this document. Um, but before we start, um, I wanted to ask you guys, I mean, when you think about race strategy for half marathon and marathoners, is there a word or something that comes to mind or a strategy that you feel like is a nice blanket statement? Um, for me, it would it, for the marathon, it would be patience. I think that most people, not all people, but a lot of people that are even experienced marathoners um, really do a poor job of of managing the first 10k and even first half of the marathon so i would say patience for the marathon and mm -hmm. then for the half marathon i would say almost like toughness because i think people the half marathon pace is really hard on um, mm -hmm. the open half and uh, you know when a matter of fact when elizabeth and i were putting together the plans one of the things that was really hard is trying to, to figure out goal pace workouts for a half marathon because Frankly, that's a really fast and hard pace if your goal pace is within the, you know, within the range that you think you can hit. So I would say toughness for the half and patience for the full. I love it. I love it. Would you add anything, Liz, or um, let her I, uh, answer stand? I, I, <laughs> I, no, I, patience for the marathon, you know, just be in it for the long haul. 
And the word that came to my mind with the half marathon was suffer, which suffer. is not a pretty word, but it, it's like you have to prepare to suffer, especially in that last 5K. It's, it's a very painful experience, the last 5K. You're just tired, but you're not, it's not like marathon pace where you're, you're just cruising along. It's, it's challenging. It's up there. It's, it's um, yeah, be ready to suffer, dig in and suffer. Absolutely. And that's obviously if you're going for a goal time, it's a different thing if you're going yeah. to help a friend across the, you know, across the finish line or something like that, of course. Right. Um, so this, this document that I have on my screen right now is the marathon one. We also have a half marathon one. I just am going to share the marathon one. Um, and we have these also, uh, I will distribute them after this. We just, they're hot off the design press. So let's talk a little bit, um, two weeks out, race day, two weeks out of race day, um, you're heading into the taper. So um, with a reminder, I know people know what it is, but I think it's sometimes helpful to hear again why it's so important. So you want to talk about, Liz, why the taper is so important? Sure. Uh, you know, in the, the document does a really nice job of explaining it where as you get fitter, there's more fatigue behind you because the process of building fitness can be very tiring with all of the different workouts. So in the taper, you start to pull back that workload so that fatigue can start to dissipate. And, and it happens gradually. It's, it's not like all of a sudden overnight you're gonna get really fast and feel really good. And often, because you're making a change, you're going to feel worse before you feel better in a taper. So it's not unusual when you're tapering to feel grouchy or slow or hungrier because your body's sensing, hey, you're changing something, what's going on here? So yeah. um, you know, the, the goal is though that you arrive at race day very fit and very fresh. So you have to be fresh to use your fitness. If you arrive to the race really tired, but really fit, you won't be able to use that fitness because you're just gonna be overloaded. So you have to shed some of that fatigue. And in doing so, you do lose a little bit of fitness because you know the workload goes down, but that's okay, that's totally normal. You still have this awesome fitness that you'll get to use. Yeah, you're still riding the wave pretty high, your crest of fitness, absolutely. And um, and and one of the things that I often see comes up um, is is those like little niggly pains because I think um, part of it is that you don't have anything else to concentrate on. You're not like, oh, I have to go run 18 miles this weekend. So you're not thinking about that. But, um, you know, I often say, it's, you know, unless it's like obviously, you know, something that is major where you can tell that it's an, a serious issue, like sometimes I just feel like it's the body like just exhaling, like relaxing finally. Is that... Do you, do you guys experience that personally when you head into a taper or your athletes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Abs absolutely. And I think part of it, like you said, is just mental part, just, oh my gosh, I'm going to get hurt. Or I always make the comment, you know, to, to athletes and friends, you know, wrap yourself in bubble wrap the last couple of weeks before your race, because people do the craziest things. Like they'll be training for a marathon or an Ironman and they'll just take a, a walk and like step off the curb wrong and like tweak something. And I'm like, oh, God. So um, part of it is us just being ultra sensitive. And the other part of it is, is the body's resting and repairing. So during the taper, there's a repair process that's and a healing and a recovery process that's going on and things start to kind of niggle a little bit during that. So you do have to keep clarity with that, knowing that that's part of the process and 95, 99% of the things that you're feeling are, are, are normal. Sure, sure. Um, and so then there's just a couple things here, this nutrition and focus on your breath. Those are just um, stuff that we have created um, with another mother runner. So if you've worked with Ellie, the nutritionist, um, she created um, a taper recipes, which are really good, kind of easily digestible 
um, super highly nutritious foods. Um, so that's worth looking at. The race day prep, she just talks about um, starting, oh, some vitamin C, um, you know, two, two weeks out. Um, so stuff like that, that is going to be um, helpful as far as just staying healthy. Um, it should come up. Yeah. You know, taking some um, vitamin C, you know, plan your meals, sleep. Um, avoid processed sugars, avoid um, fibers, stuff like that, that you might already know, you may have already seen, but I just thought it would be nice to have it all in one place. Um, similarly, uh, Dr. Justin Ross, the sports psychologist that works a lot with us, um, he has a pre-race um, or pre-run mental focus. And um, one of the things, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, one of the things that's really hard, I think, when you are racing by heart rate is you're probably used to running by yourself and um, you're by yourself, you're solo, you can control your heart rate just by controlling your speed. And then all of a sudden you get in this corral with, you know, 5,000 other people that are also running the same thing and all bets are off, right? And so this, um, this pre-run mental focus is just a nice way. It's like less than five minutes of focusing your breath, bringing your focus back into what you are um, capable of and, um, and trying to just kind of make sure that you are as centered and grounded as you can be um, on race day. So that's something to practice if you need something to do while you're tapering. <laughs> um, and then you guys talk about um, writing your race plan. Um, this one, remember your reasons, uh, just really stuck out to me. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, Jen, and talk about um, why that's really important to have your why down before you hit the starting line and probably even before you start your training, but definitely before the starting line. Sure. Um, I think sometimes we get caught up in signing up for races because a friend's doing it, or we get caught up racing because we feel like we have to do something like a race, a uh, half marathon or a marathon. And so I think the athlete has to really ask herself, why am I doing this? What is the motivation to get me up when it's, you know, we get 10 inches of snow overnight and it's negative 50 outside? Why, why are we doing this? And so there has to be a, a gut reason why the passion, the drive, the mojo, the motivation to kind of get you guys um, up out of bed and, and to do it and to coordinate. I think, you know, it gets exhausting. I remember having little kids and the most exhausting part of it was coordinating schedules. I mean, I, I was so crabby and exhausted by coordinating schedules that the run was the easiest part of the day. So for me, just the why of it was a break for me. It was something that I needed for mental clarity. And, and um, so you have to have, you have to have your why. The why could be a PR. It could be to beat your your neighbor friend, Sally. It could be to be your <laughs> husband. You know, it could be, it doesn't have to be because I want to, you know, it could be, I want to feel better. You want to lose five pounds. It doesn't matter what it is. It's whatever motivates you to get out that, that door and coordinate all the schedules with all the little, the little ones around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also important to, um, like, and you, and you kind of uh, touched on this, but having your why matters a lot at mile 20 of a marathon or, um, or mile, whatever, 11 of a half marathon or whatever, when it's really, really like, oh, why did I do this again? Oh, here's why I did it again. I think that's, that's good to remember if you have a time goal in mind. The other thing is, um, I also think it, it gives you a reason, like when you set out, and you have an idea, we all have ideas in our mind of how fast we want to run, how, what, what, are we, what we want our finishing time to be. And, you know, for whatever reason, like you have GI issues, the weather was much more humid than you anticipated, it just wasn't your day, whatever, you go out and you run your marathon 45 minutes slower than what you anticipated, or, you know, your half marathon 20 minutes slower. And all of a sudden, 
you're at the finish line and you're like, oh, that was too bad. Oh my gosh, I'm so disappointed. You know, you're in tears. You're like, but my, but my why was to get out the door and enjoy the run, right? Sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily the time on the clock. Um, and I think if you can remember what your why is, certainly, you know, the time always matters. But if your why, like Jen said, if you set out your why for tra- marathon training at the beginning to be, you know, I want to get back in shape. I want to reclaim my time for myself. I want to spend some time with my friend Sally, whatever it is. Then all of a sudden that 45 minutes, you're like, oh, well, yeah, it's disappointing. But but at the end of the day, I came out what I set to, to do. Does that make sense? Do you do you, did that happen to you guys at all or with other athletes that you work with, Liz? Yeah, it's it's just all about, you know, knowing your reasons and they have to be reasons that are important to you. I, I once worked with this guy who when I, I always ask people when they want to do an Ironman, why are you doing this? And he said, because some girl in a bar dared me to do this. And I said, if you can pull that out of your back pocket at mile 20 of the run and that'll keep you going to the finish line, that's that's your why. That's great. Some people are really motivated by other people telling them, no, you can't do it. So whatever your reason is, know it and own it and let it carry you through the race day. Awesome. I love it. Okay. Review the course. I mean, we hope that this maybe might happen when they're picking their race, but when you guys look at a course, a marathon course or a half marathon course, what sticks out to you um, as stuff that needs to be um, noted from the athlete's perspective? Do you want to start Liz? Sure. The hills, Hills. the, the, um, the incline of the hills, where they occur, are they constant? Um, is it a course like the Boston Marathon where you know the back half of the course is harder than the first half of the course? Um, what are the downhills like? Um, so the hills, um, where is the wind going to be on race day? You know, today the winds are like 20 miles an hour here. And so is there a stretch of the course where you're just gonna have the headwind in your face the whole time and hitting a goal pace won't happen? but you know that in the tailwind, it'll be easier to hit your goal pace, but you're gonna get hotter quicker. So just knowing where the wind is and, and the speed of the winds, uh, the the um, the surface that you're running on would be what I would put into the terrain category. Is it all pavement? Is it concrete? Is it crushed gravel or dirt? Is it a trail run? So these are things that might influence your pacing. Um, I can't think of any other, Jen, can you think of anything else uh, uh, aid stations, um, aid stations. Aid stations. So the only thing, just because I had time to think when Elizabeth was chatting, I remembered aid stations and the really big marathon, Chicago, New York, Boston, have them usually every mile. But when you get when you get into more remote halves and marathons, they're every sometimes they're every five k or two and a half miles. So you have to really know that and know how the weather is on that day, and do you need to carry stuff in order to get through that marathon? or can you rely from the course and so so weather terrain course and and aid stations like elizabeth had talked about earlier all all matter and something that needs to usually usually is outlined in the athlete guide that's provided by the race director for the race sure sure absolutely that's a really important point and then it's anticipating speed bumps um really stuck out to me too i mean a lot of times i know when i uh in the middle of a long run or towards the end of a long run, I often put myself in at the end of the race, right? And like, oh, this is how I'm going to feel. I'm going to keep going. Like I, you know, the trees can all of a sudden be a cheering crowd. And, you know, it's just, I can, I can put myself in the race and that feels really good. Um, Cause I always picture myself, 
victorious and feeling strong and and that kind of thing. But as we all know, if you race enough and there's just going to be a day that's not your day, whether it's getting your period unexpectedly, whether it's having those strong headwinds, whether it's, um, you know, uh, some kind of GI issue. So how do you kind of have your athletes work through um, what they can control and what they can't control prior to the race? You want to... Go ahead, Liz. I like to have I like to have people create um, a, a what if list, and so we're we're going to you know the, the best way to face your fears is is to just face them. <laughs> so everything sure. you think that might go wrong. So um, what if um, I cramp? What if I I have to make a porta potty stops? Everything everything that you're scared of, just write it all down, and then let's come up with an action plan, like something you can do to make that situation better um, and, and just have that, I like to think of it as a roadmap. So if, if, if the detour comes up, you know which route to take, you know how to deal with it. Um, another thing you can do is just to kind of visualize all of those different scenarios. So you have this image in your head of, okay, if this happens, I know what this is gonna look like and I can see myself taking action and things are going better. So just anticipating, planning and, and, and trust that if something goes wrong, that's a totally normal race experience. I think the races where everything goes right are very, very rare. And that's what makes those races so special. So it's not a matter of, will I have to deal with a speed bump? It's when am I going to deal with the speed bump? Because I know they're out there on that course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and then we talk a little bit about um, two days out. You know, you said the two days before um, the night or two nights before your race day is really the best day to, to um, prioritize sleep because the night before it's often, you might be a little bit too nervous to grab it um, or get a deep sleep. Is that, um, talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Usually there's travel involved or there's stress or all the worry, concern, anxiety that that builds as we get into the race during race week. So um, we talk a lot about with our athletes, talk a lot about kind of almost top loading, you know, to sleep as much as you possibly can. If you can sleep 20 to 30 minutes more per night, then, then do it. If it means you need to cut your run down by five minutes, do it. If you need to, you know, just, just be super flexible with it during the week. Sleep trumps everything. Because what happens too is sometimes during the taper, our bodies are resting and relaxing and sometimes we get sick and what we're trying to prevent really is people not getting sick especially this time of the year i think my biggest stressor um as an athlete and as a coach is is getting sick right before your big race whether it's yeah. a marathon or half marathon or triathlon whatever because you know you do all that work and then you show up and you're sick and it's usually when we get sick it's usually a cold um and then we can't breathe and so it gets complicated so anyway my the point of the whole thing is is don't skimp food. Don't try to lose five pounds during race week. Eat well. Carbs are your friend. And sleep as much as you possibly can and err on the sleep side during race week. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and then the weather, I mean, we give you give us some general guidelines here about um, how much slower your pace could possibly be at different degrees. I mean, um, how much, you know, do you do you guys work? Do you do you think about something like this during a race, or are you just kind of out there um, instead checking in with your own effort and seeing where things are um, and adjusting accordingly? You know, the only time I would personally make an adjustment is when we start to get into the upper 70s and 80s. 
okay. in a race because that's hot and the heat stress builds up and, and you have to take that into account with your pacing and the way you distribute your effort on the race course. Uh, but you know, even that going exactly by pace is, is always a little bit dangerous on race day. So you should always have flexibility based on how you're feeling or, you know, the weather or just any of those things that are outside of our control. Um, just be willing to be flexible. Sure. Sure. Yes. And you know what? That I did a lot of research on on temperature because uh, for some of my athletes that were trying to go to you know what super fast Olympic trials athletes or even athletes you know even people that wanted to PR. So what was the best temperature to PR? And how do you adjust based on that temperature? And the research shows that 49 degrees is the PR temperature for females, and 51 degrees is the PR temperature for males. That doesn't mean you can't PR outside wow. of that. That just means sure. those are the perfect conditions for a perfect race if executed perfectly, which rarely happens. So kind of to piggyback on what Elizabeth said, you do, and what the paperwork says, you do have to adjust as the temperature goes up. But I do agree with Elizabeth, things don't really start getting tricky till you get into the 70s. I think if you're in the 50s and 60s and even 30s and 40s, you can pretty much run really, really, really well. And I think people worry about, oh my gosh, it's gonna be 35 degrees, I'm gonna freeze. Frankly, it's really not that cold. You might not be used to it if you live in the South, but it's not cold and you can run really, really fast in that. So anyway, just interesting. I did a lot of research on this over the years and uh, that's that's what they did. Yeah, no, that's it's so funny. I was just at the Houston Marathon, um, was it last weekend, I think? And, um, and it was cold for Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely marathon. It's a lovely race and they were just, Texas hearts, nice and big and welcoming. And, um, but it was funny because everyone was like, oh, it's going to be so cold. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. It was like, I think it was starting out in the high thirties and getting to maybe like 50, mid fifties by the end of the day. And I'm like, that's, you don't want it any warmer than that. I mean, ideally. So that's great. No. Yeah. I, yeah. You can always shed clothes, but you can't, you know, mm -hmm. it gets to a point where you're not going <laughs> to, you can't shed anymore. Um, okay. Uh, and then one day out, you guys, I mean, some of the stuff that you talk about, there's a short, easy run on your plans. Um, you know, obviously, as you guys, we've said previously um, in this document and you guys put on the plan, you know, it's super easy just getting your blood moving. Um, take your time at the expo, you know, get your, get what you need, but don't spend a ton of time there. Um, I like this idea of eating your largest meal at breakfast, um, and then kind of reducing your intake throughout the day. So, and having an early dinner, so you don't end up with a carb bomb in your, uh, stomach, you know, when you're trying to fall asleep. I think that's really smart. Um, and then reflecting, I think that that's important. Um, and just remembering your why and, and just being grateful that you get to be there, right? You get to do this thing. Um, and then race day, you know, you, you guys can read through this. I'm not going to go through all this, but I, I want to spend a lot of time here on the strategy. Um, and so you talk about para, uh, patience for a marathon. So um, if you have somebody who's heading out for their first marathon, so this is somebody who has, you know, maybe has an idea of a time goal in their head, but they don't have something to compare it to. What, like, generally, what would you tell that person for their very first 26.2? Uh, uh, you want to start with that, Jen? Want me to start? Sure. Um, what I would tell athletes and, and what the paperwork kind of talks about is just everything is, is this, uh, the marathon is comfortable for the first 13 miles. 
and then it should start to get uncomfortable. What people do wrong, beginners or advanced athletes, is that they go out too hard, they get to mile 13 and they go, oh sh crap, I got 13 more miles to run, this sucks, I hate it, why did I sign up for this? This sucks, I hate every second of it. And we've all been there, I have been there personally as myself. So I think the thing that's really important is, it's kind of a moderate pace, it's basically zone two for mm -hmm. the athletes that are following the heart rate program and you hold, you should hold zone two through the halfway part and definitely the first 10K. The first 10K has to be really, really not, not easy, but you know, we don't necessarily do a lot of warmups before marathon racing because your, your warmup should be the first 5K of the race. And then you kind of build into it a little bit. And by the time you get to the halfway point, you're getting into something a little bit more moderate. So that's mm -hmm. the first half of the marathon needs to be that moderate heart rate zone two. And then you can elevate heart rate into that zone three um, as you go past mile 13. And then when the stuff gets really hard after mile about 17, 18, then you're going to be in, in a little bit more of that pain cave. And that's when you can dig deep. You can go into zone three. You can go further into zone three. You can go into zone four and um, and hang on, depending on how you're depending on how you're feeling. If you're happy and you're feeling good and you're feeling strong, then you can maintain zone two for the whole marathon as well. So it just depends on how you're feeling when you're when you get to mile 13. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So Liz, I mean, so one of the things that, that you guys wrote was you can't bake time in the marathon. And I think that's so it's so easy to um, to hear and believe. And then you get out there and you're like, oh, my gosh, I feel so good. And like the music is playing and there's like people all around you and there's just momentum and your legs are fresh and it feels so it just feels so good. Like, how do you pull yourself back from that? Mentally? You have to hold back really hard. Yeah. And, and this starts this starts in training. And, and this is why, you know, we really encourage people take the first 10 minutes of every run so slow, like silly slow. So you start to get used to that, that feeling of I'm just going to settle slowly into every run. Um, and then from there, just, you know, I, I, I tell people in the marathon, if you're feeling good in those first 13 miles, bottle it up, open it up at like mile 18, mile 20, when you're really going to need it. Um, because okay. you don't need it the first, the, like Jennifer was saying, the first half, half of it, you're going to feel good. You're mentally fresh. There's usually a lot of spectators and then it starts to get ugly on the other side. And that's where you need to be able to dig in and get ready to race. The race starts, if not at that halfway mark, the 18 mile mark or the 20 mile mark, you know, wherever you start to feel yourself unraveling a little bit, that's when the real race starts. So make sure that you hold back that first half. So you're, you're ready to kind of uh, battle in that last half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what happened? So so um, we this little blue box down here is about the heart rate zones. And, um, you know, obviously, we you guys um, will have them pretty nice, a nice groove um, carved with them as you hit race day. But what happens if I go out and I'm at mile four and say my zone two ends at 142 and I look down and I'm at 166? Like, what, what do I do? Because I'm going to freak out because I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to feel like I'm burning up energy and which of course burns up even more energy, mental energy. So like when you are not able to be in the zone that you want to be, or you feel like it's not working, what do you do? So I would first cross check. How's mm -hmm. your pace and mm -hmm. where's your rate, your RPE, your rate of perceived exertion. If okay. the perceived exertion is slightly higher than it should be, and your pace is faster, okay, well then you need to slow down. Okay. If it feels easy 
and your pace is approaching goal pace, well, I would I would proceed with caution at that point because again, your your heart is that window into what's going on inside. For some reason on that day, your heart rate is a lot higher. And so there's some type of stressor going on. Will that stressor have a big impact on you later in the race? You don't know, but you certainly don't want to get to that point later in the race and not have any, you know, strong heartbeats left to use, if that makes sense. So so you might want to dial it back a little bit, but let's say you feel good and and everything seems okay, but you're just really getting mentally beat up by what you're seeing on your heart rate monitor. Take it off, turn it off, flip the screen. Don't worry about it. Proceed as planned and see how things go. I mean, part of having a great race is just being willing to take that big risk and, and just see what happens. Sure. Sure. Has that happened to you ever in a race, Jen, where you're like, whoa, this is not where I want to be. And what do you do? Or, or <laughs> either one of you guys. I'll let Jen take it. I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Elizabeth. Um, uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I ran a marathon in December in Tucson and totally, can I swear? Sure. I totally fucked it up. Um, oh. Because. <laughs> what, what did I, you do? And listen, I've run a lot of marathons in my life and well, okay, this is what I did. Okay, and we need to talk about pace groups because it's very important in marathons. And I think, here's the thing. I, I, my heart rate was high because I was at yeah. altitude. We knew it was gonna be high. I was at altitude. We started sure. at 7,200 feet of elevation and ran downhill. Yeah. I was out on the course, I practiced. I knew it was downhill but I still live in Chicago at the end of the day. I wasn't out there necessarily to have a time goal, but I wanted not to embarrass myself. I managed to succeed on the ladder. (laughs) Okay, good. I basically embarrassed myself, but that's okay. And this is why it's all learning. Um, Anyway, the point of the matter is, is that I got out there and I was breathing pretty darn hard and I kind of knew I was breathing hard, but the paces were coming easy. Well, sure the paces were coming easy i was running downhill and and it was miles into 26 mile race so i went with the pace group because i i felt like they were going too slow for me they weren't but i felt at that time i got cocky and i i thought i'm gonna run with i'm gonna run with the pace group but i'm gonna run slightly ahead of them because i'm faster than they are no i wasn't so by mile 12 and 13 when i got into the hills i had no energy left i screwed up i was eating it wasn't a fueling issue Uh i overran by heart rate, the first 13 miles of the marathon. So once I got into hills, which I'm not accustomed to because I'm in Chicago, um, not to make a, an excuse, it's just a fact, sure. not like Tucson Hills. And I, I basically fell apart. So I had to hold on in a marathon for 13 miles, which is really, you just want to poke your eyeballs out with a hot poker. It was yeah. horrible. And by the way, the weather was absolutely perfect. So I think part of the, the thing is, is I've done it so many times and the best thing to do is to not, is to look at your heart rate. And if it is high, then you need to, you need to bring it down because you let your body adapt, let it adjust. It's either probably adrenaline, unless you're at altitude, if it's at altitude, it's altitude. So you have to slow down. Sure. And if it's not at altitude, then you just, you really need to do, do perceived exertion, which is why Elizabeth and I put the no tech runs into the plan this uh, years because we really wanted to teach you guys how to run off perceived exertion. Um, yeah. But the the pace groups that you start with, the problem is, is if you're out there and you're used to doing your long runs by yourself and you jump into all these pace groups, you know how sometimes people go hard and you don't feel like going hard or they go easy and you want to go harder. So it's always kind of this give and take with pace groups. 
So my, my suggestion with the pace groups is maybe start off with them for the first 10K, but then kind of do your own thing and just kind of keep them in check in your vicinity because mm -hmm. they don't just, sometimes they, you're just not at a good place in the race and you're trying to keep up with them or you're going too fast than you should be. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm faster than that. Yeah, not really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, pace groups I definitely think are a, um, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm sorry that you <laughs> suffered through it. Um, but, you know, take one for the team. Um, but uh, pace groups, I think, are tough because um, they, you know, my take on them is that they're told to run an even split through the whole thing, right? And so if they're told to run, you know, if you're running 905, say, for the whole marathon, you know, they're going to do a 905, whether you're climbing a hill or you're descending a hill. Um, I mean, within reason, of course, but it is, um, I feel like it, there's not a little, there's right. not a lot of room for variation on it. Right. Um, and that can be hard. Um, one of the things actually that a coach once told me that, you know, Jen, um, Brianna Bamer told me to start behind the pace group that I wanted to catch. And, and, and that was a nice way to kind of run a negative split in a half marathon because like, I knew that that's where I wanted to end and they were close enough to me that I, um, I don't know how to explain it very well, but I mean, it, it just it just created a nice way for me to start slow and get faster without a lot of pressure. Does that make sense? It does. And that's actually what I tell people now. And I should heed my own advice, but sometimes we don't. But keep yeah, keep the pace groups. Say you want to run a, a five-hour marathon. You're right. Start with the 515 and catch the five when you're done. That's that's really the way to do it. Yeah, it's just it's just it takes the pressure off a little bit, um, and and you don't realize how how long you have, especially when you're running your first marathon. You're like, oh, I, I got to be there, I got to be there. I'm like, you don't know how much can unfurl over the next five hours, right? So um, the more that you can kind of just keep that in check and just say, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's that's uh, that's great. Well, and so Liz, talk a little bit. I love this idea of coming up with a few cues for you to go through um you know technical tactical and encouragement can you talk a little bit about each of those and um maybe give some examples for each one sure um that was a little trick that a coach gave me a long time ago you know in, in a race there's three ways to focus your attention um so the technical would be just to check in with your form shoulders relaxed arms swinging um back and forth good cadence good posture just, you know, just those little form cues that we have sprinkled in throughout some of those form runs. So you would revisit one of those. Just pick out maybe, you know, one or two of your favorites. The tactical um, is, is more about your pacing and how, how that pacing is feeling. So think about key words. words. So in a, in a marathon, you want to feel good rhythm. You want to feel steady, smooth, crew, strong. You, you might have a, a, a word that you feel really describes how your marathon goal pace feels. So go back to that word. And the encouragement is more of something you can say to yourself to keep yourself going. We do this all the time. It's our little self-talk, like, you can, you can do this. You got this. Uh, you know, uh, um, I, I feel good or, or I'm going to hit that finish line. What, whatever cue or, or little um, phrase that, that you feel like pushes you. That's and great. so those are some things that you can go to. And you might find that the first half of the race, you need those technical cues um, and then the middle part, you need the tactical. And then towards the later part of the race, you'll probably need to dig in for those encouragement ones. Yep, yep, for sure. And and um, if you're listening to this and your race is not next week, I mean, this is something that you should be practicing on long runs as well, right? The more that you practice and kind of get that mental muscle carved as far as like, oh, I don't feel good. Okay, let me think about my posture. Oh, I don't feel good. 
let me encourage myself, right? Um, just letting it, just so you can remind yourself to do that. Um, the other part that I, re I really liked about this part, um, or actually two things, let's first talk about, you know, stay focused on your pace. Slowing in this part of the race is often a result of not concentrating versus not being able to physically maintain this pace that you've picked. Um, and I love that because, um, because they're trained to run a, a strong 20 miles, right? I mean, if you're doing the marathon training plan or you're doing the half marathon, you're you're trained to run a nice solid chunk of um, a strong distance, right? Right, right. And part yeah. of the thing too is that you have to put the effort, let's say you're trying to run a nine minute mile. Well, it goes without saying that the nine minute mile at mile 12 feels a whole lot different than the mile nine does it. Uh, or nine-minute miles feel at mile 18 and 21, and so you have to put out more effort for the same for the same pace as the race goes on, and that is something that you have to learn in training. That's really hard. Um, it's not something you can read about or educate yourself on. You just have to kind of feel that that phenomenon. Absolutely, and and, and um, Liz, when you say stay focused on your pace and, and concentrate, I mean, is, are these those those cues, the technical, technical, tactical, and encouragement. I mean, are those kind of cues that will kind of keep you or your focus where it needs to be? Sure. And, you know, this is, this is also a great time to use your, your Garmin or whatever pace device you're using just to, you know, check in, like, where are you compared to your, your goal pace? I mean, are you, are you 30 seconds per mile back, you know? And so just, just using that Garmin every time it pops up the mile pace, just checking in like, okay, I'm close to it. I'm nearby. I'm feeling good. And just, stay on task. Yeah. Well, and that's a, that um, brings up another question. Um, so, you know, we, we're kind of, we're trying to kind of bridge the gap between running by heart rate and running by pace. So say um, my goal pace is 1030s for um, the half, for a marathon. And, um, and I go out there and, um, you know, there was a mile that, um, you know, doesn't have any crazy hills in it. It was just a fairly, you know, um, just a average mile. And, uh, all of a sudden I look down and it's a 10:55, and I'm like, wait a second that I was feeling good. And I, you know, why am I 25 seconds off? Like, what do you do with that situation? I mean, obviously we're not going to freak out because we don't want to bring our heart rate up, but what do you, you know, how do you kind of mentally reconcile that versus trying to get to that goal pace? Does that make sense? Take it mile by mile, just see uh -huh. what the next mile comes up as. And if you're still behind, then, maybe it's time to readjust expectations or the plan. I don't think it would be time to all of a sudden start running 25 seconds per mile faster, unless you feel like you are really, really, really holding back. Okay. But um, yeah, just, just, just wait, you know, don't freak out. Don't overthink yeah. it. Just wait and see what the next mile pops up as, and then take it from there. That's awesome. I mean, I, I like that because I think, like I said, if you're feeling good and you feel strong and you're in the right zone and, and the splits aren't what they necessarily um, are what you want them to be, there might be something else going on. Like you, like you guys have said, like it could be a, you know, a slight incline. It could be um, that you, that you didn't notice on the, on the map. It could be um, humidity in the air. It could be, you know, your Bad period. Satellite. Whatever. <laughs> what do you the think? Garmin mm -hmm. might, the Garmin might be lying. I, you know, sometimes you yeah. go under tree cover or cloud cover and yeah. Garmin gives you this reading and you're like, there's no way. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Well, and yeah, and especially one of the things that's always funny in a race, as we all know, is, you know, you pass the three mile, you know, the big sign that says three miles. And then like 40 seconds later, everybody's Garmin starts beeping. Right. Mm -hmm. So like those mile markers maybe aren't those are probably accurate. Your Garmin probably isn't. Um, right. 
course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, all, all those, especially the big, big races, they're all, they, they check and double check those races. Um, okay. So let's talk about the finish line here. So we're in the marathon still. I mean, you've got a 10 K to go. Oh, that is just a hard, hard place to be. Um, but a great place to be because, um, you have a chance to challenge yourself. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about this last stretch of the race and what, um, what people can do to just make sure that they get the most out of themselves that they can. You want to talk a little bit, Jen? Sure. Um, Usually you feel, usually you're really just miserably tired mentally and physically. So the goal here is if you're, if you're struggling through the last 10K of the marathon, first of all, I think that we also have to stop assuming that everybody struggles and hits the wall at mile 20 of the marathon. Um, it's kind of a misnomer. Absolutely, it's hard, but I don't really think people hit the wall. I just think that people get tired. So I remember running my first marathon. I kept waiting for this wall to happen and I kept running and I'm like, well, oh, it never, never really happened. But then it happens in other ones, of course. But the point of it is, is don't mentally put yourself into this, this frame of mind where the last 10K is, is murder. It's only murder because people are really tired and really fatigue. So go back to the earlier, the focus points, your, your, your form, your mental, the why that you're there. Um, you know, why are you there? Think about your family. Think about telling everybody that you were awesome and you did this marathon and you hit your goal, whether it was to finish or to PR or whatever it is. So you have to, and your mind's going to wander. See, that's the problem is that you start getting spacey and then you're like, and the other thing is you see people walking yeah. and you're like, God, that looks so nice. I just want to walk. And you start walking and I'm telling you, once you give yourself permission to walk, you, you, you've, you've got to, you've got to slap yourself back to reality and get back on the plan because it's just so much easier to walk. But you, I promise you in an hour, hour and a half, however long it takes you to finish that 10 K, you will be disappointed in yourself unless you're throwing up or something is terribly wrong. But in general, 90% of the people just need to harden up and just get through that last 10 K and, and get back to focus. And if your heart rate starts dropping, make sure you're stay, staying on your fuel intake. Keep eating, keep drinking, keep on that. Probably doesn't sound too appealing in the last 10K of the marathon, but force it, uh, force it in. You're just getting fatigued and you need usually need more calories. Totally. Um, so, and, and the other thing, um, Liz, let's talk a little bit about this. I think sometimes, especially if you are having that moment where you're just like, oh my gosh, my legs are lead and this, this hurts. Um, sometimes, especially if you see somebody flying by you, like, why, why aren't they hurting? Like this hurts for everybody, but I think it's hard to remember that sometimes in the middle of, or towards the end of a race. I mean, can you talk a little bit about, um, kind of the allure of why we like to put ourselves in this place and, and remind from a coach's perspective that, you know, it hurts for everybody. <laughs> It, it hurts for everyone. I think the faster you go, probably the more it hurts. Uh, so, so if you're out there suffering, you're, you're, you're normal, there's nothing wrong with you, you're not doing anything wrong, and, and you're still well-trained and prepared for it. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of taking it mile by mile, focusing on what, you know, just, just focusing on something else. And so, so when you get to those last few miles and they really hurt, you can disassociate, which means you maybe you start to feed off of the crowd or it's a beautiful course or um, you know focus on anything but yourself some people just need to like take the 
take the pain and take the focus off of themselves and, and put it onto something else. Like, oh, look, sure. a tree. Oh, oh, there's a squirrel. And, and yeah. then, but some people associate and they go inward and they, they have to go, okay, Liz, you can do this. One foot in front of the other. Get it to that next light pole. Uh, you know, just, just stay relaxed. And so you just have to come up with different strategies and you might need a different strategy for every single mile. And don't feel like if you're pulling out all these tricks that that you're doing it wrong or there's something wrong with you, um, that's that's just what it takes. And just you know, keep your 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 sights set on that finish line. Yeah. So what do you do personally when you get to that point in a race, whether it's a triathlon um, or a marathon? Yeah, or I don't run marathons. That's what I do personally. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Uh, you know, so I, I've done marathons within an Ironman, and so when you get to the last eight to 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 six miles, it's it's really bad at that point. And so just one mile, one mile at a time, I'm just focusing on that next mile marker, whatever it takes to get there. And I don't think about, oh my gosh, I have six miles to go. It's like, nope, I'm just gonna get to that 20 mile sign. And then I'm gonna get to the 21 mile sign. And, the and then before you know it, you're like, oh no, there's only two miles left and I'm having fun and I'm doing this. And so, so just taking it mile by mile would be the strategy I employ. Nice. Nice. Um, so I have switched over. I, I, I um, took off my screen because I wanted to look at the questions on Facebook. So um, there's a couple in here that I want uh, you guys to answer. And if you are here present and you want to talk to the coaches or um, ask a question, just either type it in or um, raise your hand and we can set that up. Um, but Mary Carolyn is uh, asking, she says, I'm, her race is a 25K. Um, so she's looking forward to hearing the coaches' perspectives on how to conserve for the end of this race. My race will be rolling, but the steepest hill is definitely at the end. So I want to feel confident in my race strategy. Um, so first, let's talk a little bit about that. So if I'm looking at a, a course where I know the steepest hill is at the end, how would you plan for that mentally? Uh, you know, I think mentally? I think I remember seeing this question, and and I think I, I told her, you know, once once you get to that last 5K, anything goes, and it's going to be hard no matter what, and so. Just, just like any other half marathon race plan, you know, that last 5K, just being ready to, to suffer, to give it your best effort and completely throwing away at that point, the heart rate, you know, not, not worrying about that because it's only a few miles to go. So, so not worrying about what happens on that hill, just getting up it as, as hard as you can. And, and gosh, I would look at it like a, a celebration of, of everything you've done before that point. Like I'm going to get up this hill and here I go and see how uh, this hill is mine, you know, just have some really good like self-encouragement phrases that you can just rip out. And I, I would attack the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would Liz. That's awesome. Well, the other thing too, is I think, you know, I think um, in my mind, if I'm thinking about that, I'm like, Oh, I want to save all my energy for this hill right at the end of a 25 K you already have run 24 K like that's not insignificant. So it's not like you're going to have like this bank of energy that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can hit this as hard, you know? So, so I mean, conserving definitely on the other side, uh, you know, being conservative as we just talked about, you know, um, keeping, staying down in zone two and then kind of climbing up a little bit to zone three um, as you get through your race. But it's, you know, that hill's gonna be hard no matter what, right? Just because of the accumulation yeah. of what she's done. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and so then she's asking, are there runs built into the program um, that will help us with race day strategy? Um, and the progression runs, I think, are really key, right? Can you talk a little bit about those, Jen, and why we have them in both the programs? Sure. The progressive run and the goal paced runs are set for uh, building your confidence in, in 
for the race day. The progression runs start easy and progress progressively get harder, and the harder segments of the runs get longer as we go in the plan. So um, really work on that in training. And, and if you have a hilly course, make sure you're on hilly courses and train on the hilly course. If you have a you're doing a marathon and the first 10 miles are um, flat and then the last 16 are in rolling hills, set your 20 milers up for that. Um, you know, really capitalize and do the best job you can with your terrain. Uh, but the progression runs get longer and they get harder as you go, as as do the uh, goal pace or goal effort runs that, that we have set up in the plan as well. Awesome. Um, and then Caroline has a question also. She is um, doing the half marathon plan. Um, she's She wants to know about how to work in a shorter distance, a 5K or 10K um, into the plan, um, or if that's ill-advised. She said, I'm not used to being on this long of a training plan for a half marathon, and I would normally do a couple shorter distance races during this time frame. Um, so she she realizes that she's you know training for the goal half marathon, um, and the others would be more for fun. So she could do a 5K for one of her heart rate um, tests, correct? We talk about that in the plan. Yes. At any time that she has a, a week where the volume is lower. So typically it's, it's three weeks of work and then one week where we unload a little bit. So those unloading weeks would be a great time to put a race in and use it as a benchmark. So a new run test, the 10 K would be a great way to, you know, just, just take the last, excuse me, take the first few miles at your goal half marathon pace and then finish stronger, you know, just to kind of show yourself that you can do that. But racing is, is a great way to build fitness. You can't do it all the time. We unfortunately can't race every weekend, even though it's really fun because uh, you get really tired. Yeah. But, um, but they are great mixed in throughout a plan. I think, I think I would say, go for it, do it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have questions about when to put them in exactly, um, let us know and we, we, we'd be happy to help you on the Facebook page. Um, and then hold on one second. I'm, I'm switching over to the marathon page right now and it's being not cooperative. Um, okay, here we go. Two comments here. Um, let's see. Okay. Yep. It's Ashley who's racing on February 10th. So she's excited to, to watch that. She's the one that's doing, um, the, uh, the Donna marathon in, uh, in Jacksonville. Um, and yeah. I'll come to Florida with you, Ashley, <laughs> on the 10th. That sounds lovely. Um, cool. And so, um, oh, and then I've got a question over here on the webinar thing. Let's see here. Let's go over here to questions. Um, oh, someone's raising their hand. I'm sorry. Jan. Okay. Um, let's see if I can unmute Jan and see if she can talk. Hey, Jan, can you hear us? Yep, there I can. Hey, how you doing, Jan? Good. I was Good. I messed up the raising your hand. I was trying to, to write in a message, but oh, that's okay. You can talk to us live. What's what's the, what? What do you have on your mind? Okay, I signed up for the 10K plan, uh -huh. but I have but I have a 10K this weekend. So I've been running pretty regularly, but basically easy runs, except for um, like the last two weeks. I've been doing the, the intervals and the the pickups and stuff that are in the plan. So I'm just wondering where, what, what zones I should be looking at my heart rate in. Like you were saying, you know, for the marathon, do zones two for so many miles. What about the 10K? It's such a short race. Good question. For, for the race day, you need to do a warm up for the 10K race. Um, 
and there's details in the warm-up, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, easy with some pickups, 10 to 15 seconds before 20 minutes or 25 minutes before the start of your 10K. The 10K is, as you know, a super hard effort. It's not all out, like something like a 5K, but it is more of a tempo hard effort. So you definitely can be in zone three. I would start in zone three for that 10K if you're confident enough and you feel good and you're fit and the weather's good and all that other good stuff, you can start in zone three and build and get into zone four in a 10 K. Okay. Awesome. Do, do you want to do that, Jan? Does that sound interesting um, to you or do you rather hang in zone two? And no, breathe? I don't think I, no, I think I generally end up with, with races being in zone three. Okay. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about zone four, but maybe if I can get through five miles in zone three and then, kick it out into zone four for the rest. Yeah. I'm, I'm in Florida and it looks like right now, beautiful weather. It looks like perfect race weather for me. Oh, good, good. I like, it, I like it a little warmer. So it looks perfect for me, so. Good, well enjoy it and let us know how it goes, okay? I, I will definitely report back. All right, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, good, good luck and fun. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Right, um. Cool. That was a little talk radio moment. Um, all right. So, um, so we will create, um, I mean, the 10 K will, we will have a 10 K racing sheet as well. Um, most of the people, no one was transitioning to the 10 K running program, um, off of the other heart rate program. So that wasn't a priority for today. So I'll get the half marathon and the marathon sheets out. Um, you guys have done an amazing job. You coaches have done an amazing job on the Facebook page and with often office hours. So if people have questions, they can, um, easily hit you guys up there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I'm excited to hear about how these races go. It's fun to, it's fun to start a new year of racing. So, um, is there anything else you guys want to add before we, before we sign off any other bits? No, not no, really, except Elizabeth and I are really around to answer questions on Facebook. For some reason, sometimes, um, there's a lot of questions on there. So if you don't hear from us, please tag us. I have seen questions on there. If you don't tag us, Elizabeth and I probably won't see it. So don't take it personally. It's not yeah. that we're avoiding your question or that it's 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 a stupid question because it's not. It's just that Elizabeth and I um, answer all these questions and of course run the, our own businesses. So please tag us and we will do the best. As you know, Mondays, Elizabeth and I are around all day to answer anything. And then we have office hours almost every Friday, at least at this point, Elizabeth will be doing them this Friday and then I'll be on next Friday. So make sure you utilize us. That's what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we remind you guys of the newsletter, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is that Facebook algorithms change, I swear, almost daily. And so sometimes, unless you're tagged, it's sometimes hard to, to see exactly what's going on because um, some posts just disappear into you know, the swamp of Facebook. So make sure that if you want, if you want, a request, if you want an answer from the coaches, um, make sure to tag them. If you just want to throw a question out there and just see what people say, that's, that's always op an option as well. And, and no, and we'd love for you guys to do that as well. Just, just wanted to make that clear. So awesome. Well, thanks you guys. Thanks coaches for your time. Um, I'll turn this into a podcast as well. And um, we will see you guys around um, running by heart rate. Have a good afternoon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.